another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Again, I want to thank you for having me, and uh, I know that uh, I'm a part of this place as much as you are, but it's always an honor to come and just to be with people that love Jesus. And uh, I love that the church is losing its religion. I love that the church is becoming free. And uh, we're discovering that God has so much. You know, it's quite kind of a sad thing when you turn 60, as uh, I turned this week, in some respects, because you have a, a lot of people coming up to you asking you questions about life. And yet I've discovered it's not turning 60 that makes you old. You could be 37 and be telling dad jokes. Uh, <laughs> and so, thank God, I wasn't like Pastor Craig when I was his age. But, uh, but I, I, I'll never forget, even Marie and I, when years and years ago, in fact, we've been married 37 years uh, this year, but even when we celebrated 20 years and we did something special right through the day, we went to a few places and I sent flowers on to every location that we went. And uh, that's the only time I bought flowers, I think, because I couldn't <laughs> afford them anymore. But uh, I remember going into one place and they said, oh, you're the one that sent the flowers. And what, you're celebrating 20 years? No way. And uh, I said, what do you mean no way? They said, I've never, ever heard of somebody being married for 20 years. That was their worldview. Well, tonight I want to give you some perspectives about journeying with God in the long haul. And uh, if you're somebody that likes a title to a message, I want to talk about fruitful resilience. How that God has designed you to become someone that has the ability to turn everything into an enlarged harvest. And yet to do that, there is a need for resilience. And to be honest, I've been in the church my whole life and I've seen many people start well. I, I, I would hate to think in the 27 years that life has been going, how many people are no longer as passionate as they once were. Uh, some may turn up to church, some may still carry a belief, but they have lost their way along the way. Uh, I, I was in Sydney, I think I was in my early 20s, and we were doing a fun run, and we had a five-kilometer fun run. And how many know at the start of a race, it's easy. Kind of gearing up to do something special for a good cause is even easier, it seems. And I used to play a bit of sport rugby back then, and so you're at the start line, you got your shorts on, you got your liniment on. Oh, the smell of liniment. It's kind of like we can take on the world. We're warmed up. We're ready to go. And the gun went off and hundreds of us took off on this 5K run. I think I was two kilometers into it and our youth pastor was hiding in the bushes around the corner. And I was at that point, two out of five, where you're beginning to question whether you can do it. At the start, you can do anything because everybody's celebrating. At the start, in the moment, you have this ability to just say, we can do anything and let's go for it. But two, I've still got three to go. And he steps out. He says, hey, Pastor Paul, I got some cold drinks. Come and stop a while. And I said to him, you little demon, get out of my way. It's kind of like he was there trying to stop me winning a bet I had with someone else as who was going to pass the finish line first. The next kilometer, it was kind of like got into my head and I was thinking, I am thirsty and I need to slow down. You know, the start and the end of the race. It's amazing how you have that sense of we can do anything. 
There's going to come a time where all of us will finish this life on earth. And when we see the wonder of eternity, once our lives have been given to Christ, it's like, wow, every trial just pales into insignificant. But to have fruitful resilience all the way just doesn't happen overnight. I love this thought. This is the Bible dictionary of resilience. It's the ability to cope with stress and adversity and bounce back to a previous state of right functioning. And I think sometimes we expect as Christians, okay, we're connected to God. So therefore, you know, it's amazing when you become a Christian. And then it's kind of like, why does it get so hard? But resilience is not the removal of pressure. It's the ability to keep running through the pressure and the ability to take on the challenge so that you can build a backbone and you have the ability to develop your character deep down. By the way, resilience is a process, not a gift. You're not gonna get resilience on an altar call. You're not gonna get resilience just because you put the liniment on and because you look good. You're gonna get resilience because you say, you know what, every challenge as long as God is for me, who can be against me? It's kind of like, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to not give up. And I hear that more now than ever. I'm being surprised about how many people say, thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Papa P, that you haven't given up. Have I felt like it? Many times. Has there been temptation just to get out and leave it to everyone else? I said to our church last week, I said, you know, people said, do you feel, have you felt like giving up? I said, no, I've never felt like giving up, but I've felt like doing it on my own. Because again, to work together is not always easy, but that's God's way. And in that is the power of God. The word endurance means the ability to hang on when it has never been easier to let go. And maybe you're here tonight because you're going through one of those dark seasons, one of those stretching, those weighted, stressful seasons And it's so easy just to let go. Well, I want to tell you this week as we took our boys away and their spouses and our grandkids and had two and a half weeks, I'm looking at the grandkids and I'm saying, oh my God, thank you, Lord, that you enabled me to stay resilient and look at the fruit. See, we don't think that much past the current season. But God is wanting to raise a generation. And here at Life Melbourne, we're into God's promise of a harvest of fruitful resilience. Let me read something from the Message Bible. Romans 5 and verse 1. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him and made us fit for Him. We have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus and not And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. I love verse three. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know, get this, how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. You know, our theme this year is here now. 
And I feel like God is saying, if we were to understand that whatever we're going through now, if we stay resilient, is going to position us ready for what God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we've never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Wow, I love that. You know, years ago, the first time I went to Hawaii, I was uh, just very young and there was a stall in one of the markets and you could pay some money and choose a uh, oyster. And it was called the pearl stall, but not every oyster had a pearl. And so you had to choose which oyster and then you got to open the oyster. And of course, as a little boy thinking, this could be worth a whole lot of money. And it cost, cost, I think, a few dollars back then. And I was like, could it be? But the first one we opened, there was nothing inside of it. The next one I opened, there was a pearl inside. And I didn't know much about it, but I discovered through a bit of research, and of course I know now, is that pearls are created from grit. So sand or foreign matter gets into the oyster And as a protection mechanism, what it does is it surrounds it with like a mucus system that goes hard and it keeps surrounding it and it keeps surrounding it so that there is no power of infection left inside the oyster and out of what was foreign now becomes something that's valued. And tonight I just want to encourage you that, you know, your walk with God, it's amazing and it's powerful. But it's often the things that are painful and the things that we didn't expect that if we stay resilient and keep running, we're going to be able to bring something of virtue to generations and to our grandchildren and those around us. We're going to begin to discover that there is so much more that God wants to do through us. And so tonight, as I was thinking about this, I actually prepared this message flying here this morning. I had some three, I had three thoughts about what is it that's made me resilient? And, and I want to give you these things, and I pray that you'll think about them and really take them to heart, that these three ingredients, they produce for fruitful resilience. The first one is the need for us to experience God's presence. See, tonight as we worshiped, If you have your antennas up, even if church is foreign to you, it's like, what is this? Do all these people, are they made to lift their hands? Are they asked to close their eyes? Are they singing passionate because that's what they have to do? Or is something happening here? You know, I I long more than ever for heaven's breath. I, I long for the wind of God to blow in my life. And all around us, we're in a world that doesn't know that the thing that God wants to bring is who He is, His presence that's going to bring the light to our darkness and bring strength to our weakness. You know, people say to me, they say, but Paul, society is changing so much and it's not like it used to be. And I say, well, there's nothing new, as I said before, under the sun. But what I've discovered is every human being, whether we understand it or not, you were created by God to know his presence. And there is a longing for intimacy. People are searching intimacy. And that's why today relational things are shifting because we're still looking for intimacy. So if I could just find what I want, then I'll find it only to find that human intimacy is not the same 
as the presence of God. And by the way, that intimacy cannot be found in things created. It's found in who He is. And that intimacy, I think God is wanting us, I know as a church, God's calling us to a new place of His presence, a new place of allowing the Holy Spirit to wash over us and to change who we are. You know, David cries out in Psalm 63 and verse one. This is what he says. Oh God, you are my God. Listen to this early. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna get up and seek for you because my soul thirsts for you. You know, you're thirsting. Your, your inability to find that, that inner contentment, that intimacy that you're seeking for, it's not going to come in a human relationship. Because when you want that out of a human, you're going to be disillusioned. It comes out of the presence of God covering you and bringing you to that place. He says, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I'm looking for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. Again, in Psalm 143, verse six, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. And tonight I wonder, I wonder if you and I would make time this year to look and allow God's presence to come upon us how the things that we're trying to fix with everything else will just come into alignment. See, we're here for the here now and to live in the here, you need the presence of God. As I said, I'm concerned for our world, but I'm not concerned because I know the presence of God is all around us and it's that that answers. Religion doesn't give you the presence of God. Come on, I need an amen tonight. It's like... It's kind of like God wants to flood you with His presence. But as I said, just prophetically, if you don't warm your heart up and start leaning into the presence, you don't get the breath. And God's breath, once it touches you, it's kind of like, wow, you know, that thirst is gone. And, and, and I feel supported. And people say, how have you lasted for 60 years? I said, as a little boy, we were out of kids camps and somebody would pray for us and I couldn't even stand under the power and the presence of God. As a teenager, we just had times where we would worship God all night, tears running down our face all the way through life, even in the biggest of trials. It's like when I get into the presence of God, the thirst is satisfied. There's something that lifts me to a new level. And it's kind of like, you know, as a church, we go, well, I go to church once a month. I go to church once a week. That's not enough. It's kind of the presence of God. Feel thirsty tonight. Maybe you're here. You're not going to find it in a human relationship. You're not going to find it in alignment with people of like. You're going to find it in the presence of God, the God that created things. You know, that's why heaven is so fulfilling. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord? My soul longs, yes, even faints. I began to pray that more recently for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh, they cry out for more money. <laughs> they cry out for a better opportunity. They cry out, no, what do they cry out for? The living God. Even a sparrow has found a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house because they will still be praising you. They will have this fruitful resilience all the way through. 
God's presence. Not only do we need to experience God's presence, but secondly, the thing that I've begun to think about is we need to encounter God's person. Do you really know him? You say, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. Yeah, you can experience his presence, but not know his person. So as a teenager, I'm sitting in church, and some of you may have heard the story, and here I'm sitting in church, and whoever was speaking was speaking, and they said, you just got to make a decision whether God is God. And I was at a time where all my friends were kind of out of church and sort of living a double life, and it's kind of like they were there at youth group, but not really there. And I sat there, I still remember toward the back, and I was going, well, God, I've, I felt your presence. And so if you're God, then you're God. This may be the most simple message you've ever heard, but if you're God, you're God. If you're God, you're God. So I'm not going to play a double life. I, I, I'm going to, I'm all in. I, I'm just going to cross the line. I don't care what people think. I don't even care what, you're God. You're, you're the God that created the way. We're in a world. This is crazy. When I was in school, the world taught us, you, you're just, a fact of evolution. There were just two atoms or whatever that collided and everything just came to where you are now and now we travel around some of the universe only to discover we can't live there unaided. Every ant is different. Every part of creation shows you the creative power of a God that's unlimited. And yet we wanna buy into, I once was a monkey. Well, good for you. No, 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 you are designed as the handiwork of heaven. And it's kind of like, it's like you need more faith to not believe there's a God and an architect of this. How stupid could we be? And now we're defying science and we're saying it's all about self. You you are what you want to be, only to find you can't find intimacy outside of presence. Here it is. You can't find trust out of encountering His person. See, I think even in our church, we can be guilty of feeding on somebody else's revelation. Come to church, great message, pastor. and Man, I got encouraged by that. But you see, resilience for me requires a root system that's personal, that goes down and is secured to the rock and says, well, if God's God, even if I don't understand it, I'm not giving up. In fact, I would say the depth of my relationship with God determines the degree of my resilience. So people say, how have you done it for 60 years? I, I just made a decision years ago, he's God. Come on, some of you are going, oh yeah, but how come God? And God says, well, you can't and will not know in your humanity all the answers until eternity, but you can be assured eternity will make it completely clear. And you'll look back and say, why did I waste my life second guessing God. If you go to the Old Testament in Exodus 31, the Lord said to Moses, I, hey Moses, I, I want you to get up and go from here, you and the people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt, and I'm gonna ask you to go to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying that to your descendants, I'm gonna give you this land. By the way, Moses, I'm gonna send with you an angel escort and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I'm going to position you up in a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But listen to what God said. But I'm not going up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way for you're a stiff-necked people. 
you know, again, I just felt reminded of this. It's kind of like if, if you analyze what I just read, God says, I'm going to give you the fulfillment of what I promised your tomorrow to look like. I'm going to provide for you an angel escort, so you're going to have supernatural signs and wonders. I'm going to cause you to have domination over every enemy that stands in your way. I'm going to give you provision and security, but I'm not coming. I reckon 90% of the church would take half of those and say, well, God, if you're not coming, I get it. You're a busy man. But here tonight, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, you know what? You want fruitful resilience all the way through? You've got to know his person. He's the I am God. He's the God that never fails. He's the God that is fighting on our behalf where there is an enemy trying to destroy us and we blame God for the bad. But God's not a bad God. He's a good God. Come on, we, we, we question God's ability to come through in the end. So what does Moses do when God says that to him in verse 7? Moses takes his tent, or literally his life, and he pitches it outside the camp, far away from his normal way of living. And he called it the tabernacle of the meeting. And it came to pass, everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of the meeting, which was outside the camp. It was kind of like, it's going to take you something to know his person. Just rocking up on church and enjoying his presence is important and necessary. But I'm, in, I'm charging you tonight. I'm saying to you, even as a younger person or somebody that's been in church, do you know his person? And it's like, you're going to have to climb the mountain. You're going to have to get out of the normal routine. You're going to have to get into a place where God is worth that much that I, I just don't want the goosebumps of your presence. I want to know you because when I know you, you remind me that I can get through to the end of my race and you are the one that is faithful and you will turn everything into good. You're the God that has promised has never, ever gone back on your word. When Marie and I met, we were living in Sydney and I lived on the North Shore. She lived in the Eastern suburbs. It was at least an hour and a half after work to go and see her, but it was nothing. It's just like every night after work, and she would say, no, don't worry, we'll see you. No, I'm coming. <laughs> An hour and a half driving, we'd sit up to all hours, sometimes one o'clock in the morning talking. And it's like, I've got to work at six in the morning. She said, I told you to go home about four hours. Okay, I'll go home. Driving across the Harbour Bridge, sometimes crossing lanes I didn't even know I crossed. <laughs> it was nothing. Come on. In pursuit. Now she asked me to go to the shop. I said, no, do it yourself. It's like, <laughs> not quite like that. Hey, listen, listen to what Moses said. You're getting something out of this? <laughs> Verse 12, so Moses said to the Lord, hey, God, see, you say to me, bring up this people. God, you said that you're going to do amazing things, but you've not let me know whom you're going to send with me. You have said that I know you by name and you have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I'm the one that's found grace in your sight, would you show me now your way? Listen to this. That I might know you. You can know God's presence, but not know his person. That I might know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider this nation as your people. And he said, this is God speaking. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so Moses said to God, 
hey, by the way, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not leaving here. Come on, could this year be a year where I want to intersect with who God is? Not just with what God does. I think a lot of our faith, unfortunately, is on an outcome. Not on God. Have faith in God. Not have faith God. Sorry, not have faith in your miracle. But have faith in the person of God. And there is a need to climb the mountains. And you say, well, how do I know his person? Just a couple of thoughts. Just institute daily communication. Just have a daily time with God. Set aside a time. Early in the morning is a great thing before you get the distraction of the day. and Get into a routine of just having communication with God. 360 degree communication. Whereas you stop long enough to hear. And you give enough to be heard. And just let your heart intersect with God and let him see. Don't live on a revelation of someone else, but live in that place where you're communicating with God. And as I said, the second thing I'd say if you're going to know him is settle for personal, re- settle personal revelation. Uh, you know, this is a big thing in my heart right now. I'm saying to leaders, too many people need inspiration all the time. It's kind of like, when it goes good, I'm really inspired. Come on, we can run again. When I'm at the start, I can run. At the end, I can run because they're in the stadium. But when there's no one there, how much inspiration do you need to keep going? Because when you carry a revelation, because you know God. That's why I look at creation. The Bible says creation displays it's a God. Whenever I'm going through a hard time, I just look at them and say, you're God. You, you, you keep the sun in tension. Come on. You, you cover us from being burned and... You, you allow the water to come and everything that you've created just settles the wonder of who you are. And then the third thing I'd say to know God, you just got to determine today's priorities. We're going to be, be people that live in the here now. And you can't go back. Let me say it. You can't go back to yesterday. You can't change yesterday. So you say, yeah, but Paul, if I didn't go through all that crap, if if I wasn't abused as a little kid, if, if, if I knew who my parents were, if, if I didn't do this or I did you can't go back, live here now. You can never go back. And by the way, tomorrow has not promised to you. So have a vision for what God can do, but don't live in tomorrow and don't live in yesterday. Live in the now. Bring the God who's able to take everything in the now and bring it to a place of the wonder of what he can do. You know, Paul said this, Nigel, come and join me, but Philippians 3 and verse 7, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, what things were gained to me? These things I counted, what loss for Christ. I want to encourage you. Only you can live through the storm when you have settled an understanding of who he is. So for me, it's kind of like, we're just doing crazy things. How many know as a church? Did you know the stuff that's happening in New Zealand is because of you guys as well? Did you know that what's going to happen in Melbourne, we're all in this together? Come on, an amen. And people say to me, why would you believe that you could put $20 million worth of community impact every year? Well, it's because I know that God's heart is to have a tangible response to need. Well, how could that ever happen? Well, God doesn't look at it and go, 20 million, freak out. He can create galaxies. I know Him. You say, yeah, but God let me down. No, I know Him. He doesn't let you down. We're in a world where the enemy finds every place to attack and to try to mar His name. But here are the three things. Come on, experience God's presence. 
Position yourself for His presence, but then encounter His person daily. Have communication going on. Settle some of the things you need to settle. You know, I I pray, I believe God heals, but there are many people I pray for that God hasn't healed. That doesn't change the fact that I have a revelation, God heals. And there's an enemy at work, so I'm going to keep praying and keep believing. And I've got to know that God is sovereign and God in the end is going to use it all for good. So we're not at the finish line yet. And then also I'm going to determine today's priorities. I'm not going to live in yesterday. I'm not going to live in tomorrow. I'm going to live in the now. Yet indeed I've counted all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And in verse 10, that I might know Him, the power of His resurrection. I just want to know you, God. When I get to know Him, faith is not a challenge. Faith is a wonderful key to unlock the supernatural. And then finally, we need to experience God's presence, encounter His person, but also engage in God's purpose. Can I say that you won't be resilient all the way through unless you're actively, come on, flying formation. I mentioned it this morning how geese fly together and, you know, as one flaps, it lifts someone else. As somebody takes the lead, others honk and encourage and collectively they take on the future. And I think sometimes we're so selfish we don't even realise it we say to kids what do you want to do when you grow up you know what we should be saying is what has God designed you to do because actually life is not all about you it's about God's purpose it's it's as you engage with God's purpose have something worth living for then it's that place where everything becomes alive Helen Keller one of my people I love to quote she was blind and deaf and yet she changed her world. She changes it still. You imagine living blind and deaf. This is what she said. True happiness is not attained through self-gratification, but through fidelity to a worthy purpose. Every one of us, if, if you're injured, life is a hospital where you can just come and be and be engaged, but we're not going to leave you. Come on in the hospital bed. We want to get you through next steps and get you living your divine call because then you're going to have resilience and you're going to be fruitful. And I don't want to pastor a church where I'm guilty of not saying to them that one day God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? You say, oh, well, I did what everybody else wanted me to do. I did what I wanted to do. So 60 years on, still running the race, still saying yes, still seeing fruit like we've never seen before. And that doesn't make me special. It's just these three things. was the last time in the week you just said God it's just me and you just fill me with your presence put on a CD and just let the presence of God it's not Sunday only when was the last time you you just said I want to get to know you not just the things that you do for me I'm going to read your word and I'm going to pray and I'm going to communicate I I want to get to know you I tell you I got more faith today than ever because I know him more come on I don't understand it all but I know him And He will do you good in the end. Come on, He'll take your brokenness. You say, but there's a girl in church. I've got to finish. She's become my latest bestie. She went to Sisters last year and I was speaking or doing something, finishing one of their sessions. I just saw a light on her. So I went down. And then as I got close, it was like, man, all her legs are cut. 
all her arms are cut. Scars all the way up both arms. She's only a young girl. Again, nothing wrong with this, but she's got piercings all through her face. And I just looked at her and I said, honey, you need to know you're not going to die. She just broke. She just grabbed me. She didn't know me, but she grabbed me and she says, you mean to say I'm not going to die? I said, you're not going to die. Something happened in that moment, like in a godly way, you know. God the Father saying, you're not going to die, girl. She comes to church now with a whole family. She draws me pictures. She's become my bestie. Every Sunday I'm there, she comes up and she's told me she's got a painting for my birthday. So gutted she didn't get it finished last Sunday. She said, will you be there next Sunday? I won't be there next Sunday. I'm in Melbourne. Those heathen Australians need help. I said, but I'll be back the week after. I'll have it ready. But look at the scars. We sang about it tonight. God's presence. Come on, God's person. And now she's going, how can I make my life count? I said, you've got so much you can help others with. You're not what's happened to you. You're what's happening within you. Come on, hear me tonight. Come on, team, come and join me. Because I believe tonight in a moment, God can begin something. How many want to live a fruitful, resilient life? Of course we do. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.